Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. We're in a series called Preparing for Pentecost, and Pentecost Sunday is in June, and it's something that the church all over the world celebrates as a, uh, uh, a memory and a, you know, a, a weekend to just, a Sunday to just remind ourselves of, of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And sadly, in some places, that's as far as it goes, but God wants us to go farther than that. Um, it's been great the last few weeks um, preaching these messages, getting Facebook messages uh, privately to me from, from people um, about this series, and especially uh, from college age, uh, high school age, young people who've been writing me encouraged uh, by these messages and saying that they're getting clarity about some things about the Holy Spirit and asking me questions and really great questions. Um, then I had a conversation with a, with, a, with a young man in his 30s and we had coffee one day and he was telling me his story of his walk with the Lord and some awesome things that are happening in his life with, uh, with, in the, with the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as he told me about this, this thing that he experienced, little did he know that I had just prepared this message that same week. And uh, man, it's just cool to um, be in the confirmation of things. You know, Tyler selected the theme for VBS being about the wave, and I didn't know that, and he, I didn't talk to him about that, but that's my message next Sunday. So, uh, we have ESPN. I don't know, I, I don't get it, but I don't know, can't find my keys half the time, that works, I don't know how it works. So, so I'm writing this message um, a few weeks back, and it triggers a memory that I have of, um, it, I remembered two times early in my ministry life when I was walking along the Mississippi River. For real. And uh, both times I remember, wow, realizing it, but not fully appreciating it. And it's been so long ago that, man, I wish I could go back. I can remember one time visiting a friend in Baton Rouge and I was walking down West Baton Rouge Parish and was walking right along, passing the old ferry landing, and I'm right walking along the mighty Mississippi. And then another time I was uh, in St. Louis, it was New Year's Eve, and I was there by myself. I was there to be a part of a, of a, of a national conference on uh, college campus ministry, and I had just been hired to plant the first campus ministry uh, from, by the Assemblies of God at Frostburg State University, which, which I ended up doing. And, but I remember I was in St. Louis walking toward the, the St. Louis Arch because I was going to go up in it. 
pretty well on a, five, a scale of one to 10, 10 being you're freaked out with heights. I'm about a five plus depending. Um, so I'm five plus, but I'm going to go up in it because I'm thinking I'm going to go up in that. 630 feet up in the air. And I, and I went up in that and, and I'm walking along the Mississippi River, and, uh, but I'm not appreciating because I'm, I'm overthinking about cl- planting this ministry, the house, the who's, the gr- and I'm green as grass. I've never done anything like that before. And I'm at this conference with thousands of college campus pastors that are doing it. UCLA, uh, Northwest Territory schools, you name it, the big ones, and big name people, and there I am. Doing. And so I'm not even considering, I'm walking by the Mississippi, one of the longest rivers in North America, flowing 2,430 miles from Lake Itasca in Minnesota, all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico below New Orleans. The floodplain encompasses 30 million acres. And here I am thinking on stuff other than that. And I'm in Mark Twain's territory. And I'm not realizing it. And I'm up there 630 feet. And I'm looking down on the, uh, on, on, the, on the water. And there are these replica steamboats that Tom Sawyer and, and Becky Thatcher in Twain's books, not really real characters, but they were, they were in those real boats. And I'm looking down at that. And it all came back to me when I was writing this message entitled it two words, River Walk. I like Mark Twain. I even like Sam Clemens. You know him? And anyway, he wrote in his memoirs in this book called Life on the Mississippi this, and it really got me thinking about uh, in the Spirit and our walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. He says, your true pilot cares nothing about anything on earth but the river. And his pride in his occupation surpasses the pride of kings. It's a riverboat captain on the Mississippi. And I read that and I'm thinking, yeah, see? And I'm walking by it, not deeply appreciating it. I have to go back there now. I remember moving my daughter to L.A. and we only had a short time to get there. And it was a very short time. We had four days to get to L.A., get in her get in their place and all that. So on the way, we went through Memphis where Elvis did his deal, waved at it on the way. And we went through Texas, which seemed to be driving a car bigger than the world because you're like, are you ever going to get through Texas to get to somewhere else and up through Alamogarda, New Mexico? Wow, so cool. But we stopped at the Grand Canyon, stayed all night, got up in the morning and looked at the Grand Canyon. You know what? You needed like a week to look at the Grand Canyon. We had hours, so it was like, hi, Grand Canyon. But it was awesome, and all you could think of was, I need this, I would, I, I had the time, I would stand here for a day and just go. And then we go to a coffee shop in Grand Canyon, and a moose goes down the street. A moose. You ever seen a moose in Cumberland? I haven't seen a moose. And here comes a moose, and a squirrel, Rocky, and anyway, no, no, just the moose. And I was thinking about all this the other day, and I'm thinking, I, want, I went on a walk in my mind back to the place, and I joined the riverboat, and I joined Mark Twain in my imagination. And then I began to think, Lord, I want to go on deep walks with you by the river of the Holy Spirit. 
And I pray that you'd help me to encourage other people to do the same. Some of you, last week, encouraged you to take a walk with the Holy Spirit in your week. And maybe some of you did. And you know what? I even rode back up. If you missed last week's message, you got to listen to it. Um, because I talk about that fountain up in the, in, the, in, the, in the baby kid pool at the Constitution Park. It's flowing right now, man. And I have a story about that. I mentioned last week that God did something in my life. And I wondered, I rode up there last week and I thought, you know what? I wonder if I'll run into anybody from LOH like sitting on that bench going, I had to come up here and look at what you said. Uh, so take a walk. So we're going to start, we're going to go to another passage. We're going to start with this passage. It's the Alpha passage I, I picked, first passage from Genesis. We're not even through the second chapter, and God's talking about a river. And he says, now a river flowed out of Eden, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before everything was what it is now. Everything was perfect, innocent, dominion, life, beyond anything we've ever known. And a river is flowing into Eden because this river, unnamed, I believe, is, is this river from God that brings life into life. And then from that river from God divides these four rivers and they're mentioned in the book of Genesis. And if you read it, you'll find out that those four rivers are, 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 the, are the bed of civil, where the bed of civilization has its origin and its dispersion from there in the Fertile Crescent, which... This is just a sidebar of my message. It goes to show me that this river of God, which is going to Eden, where everything comes from in the whole plan of God, but, but it, also, it also is flowing to things. So it's like God's doing stuff in our life. God's doing stuff in our church. But how many of you know that there's something on the other side of Sidling Hill? It's called the rest of the world, right? And, and there's the rest of the world, and there are churches and people and God doing things, but things we know of, things that are in denominational boundaries and beyond, and all these wonderful things. But God's also doing other stuff way beyond anything we could ever imagine. And I believe that one of the things God wants to do is keep some of you here, and I am actually in legal negotiations with our, with our band, that none of these young people can go anywhere else for at least 10 years. We're working on that right now. I'm not sure the price is right yet, but we're working on it. The threats are there, but the price. But uh, Ezekiel 47 is where I want to look today. It's this passage that brings deep fascination and inquiry into my soul where you find this young prophet by the name of Ezekiel. He's only 30. And uh, God gives him a vision of this river. Now this river, uh, there's nothing like it in Israel. There's the Jordan River, but it's not anything like this. There's nothing like this mentioned but Ezekiel sees this river. As a matter of fact, in the first chapter, he's, he's not even in Israel. He's in Babylon, and he says, and I'm sitting by the Kibar River, and while I'm there, I have visions of God. Wow. What I like about that is this. This is a 30-year-old. I want you, if you're 30 and under, I want you to really, I know you're listening, but I want you to really listen. Um... Here's a guy that was raised in a priestly family, and so he should have been a priest. But the problem was, is that Israel had sinned to the point where God took them from their land to a foreign land under an oppressive, demonic king. And so Ezekiel doesn't get to be a priest, so God 
always has something else. When things don't go the way it even seemed that God wanted them to go. Have you ever been in a situation like that? God has something else. So you know what God rewarded this young man's faithfulness with? He couldn't be a priest, so he made him a prophet. And in this vision, in the 47th chapter, Ezekiel says this, In my vision, I underline certain things, the man. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing and from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right side of the altar on its south side. And the man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around to the eastern entrance. And then I could see the water flowing, flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. I want to just kind of build on this, where the river comes from. You notice it doesn't say, he took me to a river that was in Times Square. I love Times Square, by the way. It wasn't Times Square. It wasn't a strip of Vegas. It wasn't at a bank. It wasn't at the stock market. It was not in Gay Paris at the Seine. It wasn't in London. It wasn't on the shores of Malibu. No, you know where it was? Where the river always originates from, the house of God, the temple Note, though, there is a walk from the river, but notice the origin and source. It's from the temple, meaning God's foundation point and God's starting point for the God part of my life and your life is at the house of God. Now, in the New Covenant, in the passing through the cross and the purpose of God revealed in Jesus, we find that the temple is no longer the imagery of a place built by man, but what we find in the New Testament, in our reality, is that the temple is embodied in the DNA of Jesus of Nazareth. Remember when he went into the temple and they said, by what authority do you do these things? And he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. And they said it took 46 years to build this. He wasn't talking about that temple. He's never talking about that temple now. He's talking about the temple of his body, from which the spirit dwelt without measure. And then he goes on to say that if you, if you believe in him, you're going to be born again. And the temple of God, the spirit of God's going to come and live on the inside of us. Because Jesus is the presence of God on earth. Jesus is the kingdom of God on earth. And wherever Jesus is, that's where the presence of God is. And if we get into the presence of God in Jesus, the presence of God gets in us. So I want to reiterate, the water source that we're talking about, that every person needs, is in the temple. And also note that the, the water source flows into the temple and then through the temple and out. The river of the Spirit comes into our lives, does a work in our lives continually, but also, if He's really working in our life, it goes out of us. It's like, when we really believe in Jesus, He puts us in the Holy Spirit. And when we really believe in Jesus, he puts the Holy Spirit in us. And what's exciting, what I mentioned about these, these, these young students and, and young people that are in the church on the platform, on a, on a softball field, or they're in a college dorm room, or, they're, or wherever they are, that's, if, you're in, if, you're, if you're walking with the man, which we're going to look at, 
God's doing something. That's what we're talking about. Ezekiel isn't walking alone. He's not making up his own walk with God. He's walking with the man. And so this passage doesn't tell us who the man is. And there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of interpretation about it. Mine is this. It's the Holy Spirit. The man is the Holy Spirit who is taking this prophet on a, on a journey in a vision to, to show him the symbol of, of, of the release of what this man does when you're walking with the man, what, what his intentions are, and how the Holy Spirit uh, works in us and through us. And so that's what this is about. There's a starting point, and then we walk. Notice this verse. It says, measuring as he went, the man. He's measuring as he goes. He took me along the stream, always close proximity to the water, the river. He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. And he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees and another 1,170 feet it was up to my waist. And then he measured another 1,070 feet. And the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Notice the man and his measurement. The man's measurement. Not my measurement. Not Ezekiel's, the man. You notice it says the same measurement over and over again, whether it's in ankle, knee, deep, swimming. Um, the King James, I believe, says 1,000 cubits. I know, right? I don't know what that means either, unless I look it up in a smart guy's book. But it does mean 1,170 feet, which, what does that mean? It is a measurement used in the temple. It's a sacred measurement. It's God's standard of measurement. And that's how the man measures. Now this business with people in the world who talk about being spiritual and, and, and it permeates across our, our country and even Western Civ that any kind of spiritual is fine with God. Well, that's fake news. And I don't say that disrespectfully, but if I'm going to be respectful to the scriptures, it's fake news because it's wrong according to the scripture. Every person is a spirit in a body, but not every person is alive in their spirit in their body unless the Holy Spirit has made them alive by being born again. And Jesus said even to Jewish scriptural leaders, you too must be born again or you can't even see the kingdom of God. And so you're born again at a certain proximity of place, the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, where the blood flows, because the blood of Christ has to wash our sins away so that we can be swept clean by his work, not our work, his work. And when we do, he puts us in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is placed in us, and then true spirituality is not trying to do what others' measurements are of what a good Christian is or the denomination. It's the man's measurement. And the man's measurement is Christ in me. 
the Holy Spirit in me. And if he's not in me, I can be spiritual I want, but you're dead in your transgressions and your sins, according to Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And I didn't make that up, and I didn't root for that, and I'm not trying to say, but that's the truth. But here's the thing. God's passionate for every person dead. He comes to the dead to make us alive. And here's how. Get you to the temple, not the building necessarily. Get you to Jesus. And he wants to take you for a walk. And he's passionate about all of us making progress according to his measurement, not our own. Jesus, before he left, told us to go into all the world and make disciples. Not Baptist disciples, not Nazarene disciples, not LOH disciples, not seeker-sensitive disciples, not Catholic disciples or Lutheran disciples. I got out of my car yesterday to go to the supermarket, and I got out of a car about younger than I was. He had a t-shirt on. I thought it was interesting. I never saw one of these poor. It said, I am a Protestant. <laughs> wow. Hey, look, there goes a Protestant. Jesus didn't say go and make church attenders. He said, the man wants to take you on a walk, and he's got a measurement. And you can't measure yourself by other river walkers with the man, because God might not want you in waist-deep water yet or swimming level. He may only want you in ankle level right now. And if that's good enough for the man, that ought to be good enough for you. And even if people judge you because you're not in another, if you're with the man, good for you. Okay. Or comparing ourselves with other people who don't walk with the man either. Or I'm spiritual, they're spiritual, we're spiritual based on, that's great. But there's someone else that has the real measuring. And that's the man. And then we're going to see that the man, this voice of the man, asks Ezekiel a question, which uh, there's a repetitive introspection that the Holy Spirit always brings all of us to. And you see it with Jeremiah, you see it with Daniel, you see it with Ezekiel, you see it with Isaiah. You even see it with John, who writes the book of Revelation. There's this introspective, repetitive point made with these kind of things, these kind of statements. Do you see... Do you hear? What do you see? And so, we've been here for a while in this talking about the Holy Spirit and the question that the Holy Spirit is asking you and I, and he's asking 30s and unders, what do you see? What are you hearing? Over weeks that have gone by where he's pressing truth toward your heart, do you see it? What do you see? What are you experiencing? Ezekiel is told by God in another place, go and preach to Israel, here with you, bound in Babylon, and describe to them the temple. Now, if they listen to you, and then he describes what God considers listening. Bump, bump, bump. He goes, if they do that, show them more. Show them the whole house. But if they don't, Shut the book. What do you see? 
What are you hearing? Look what he says in the verse. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? No, I'm walking right by the river that Mark Twain has sold millions of copies about. And there it is, there's the river, but I got to think about building something for Frostburg. For God. Hi, Moose. Have you been watching? Then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river, again, think of the Spirit, think of the Holy Spirit, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. But notice what happens when the river goes there. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. And this is how we change. We don't change by getting a manual on what it's supposed to look like to be a good Christian based on the Nazarene viewpoint or the Assemblies of God viewpoint, which they might be great points. Reading a book on the Holy Spirit or on holiness or purity, and you take that book and put it under your pillow like you did your tooth, and and the tooth fairy's going to not bring you money, but you're going to wake up and you're going to be pure. You slept with the book right in your hand. You carry it under. No. The Holy Spirit brings the purity influence in. He brings beautiful things to us and out of us to our surprise. I don't ever want to be used to the good things God's doing in my life. I have committed the sin of getting used to it a lot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you see? There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea. What are we supposed to go out and catch, fish or men? What's the evangelistic program that's a five-star no-fail? Tell you what it is. It's wherever the river flows. Because wherever the river flows, things become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. And this is how we change. This is how we change. The Holy Spirit brings the holy. Thank God. Have you ever tried to bring the holy? I mean, consistently. The only time the holy is consistent in me is when the Holy Spirit is consistent in me. You don't want no part of me trying to do the holy apart from the man in the water. You ever tried to work that? The Holy Spirit brings the sweet. The Holy Spirit brings the wisdom. Not just in the smarts, but the wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do the way God wants to do it at the moment God wants to do it in. The Holy Spirit births desires for God in His ways. He births desires to pray and worship and serve and all these things. And I love this too. The Holy Spirit brings the, I don't want to do that anymore in my life. 
So if I'm getting back into the I'm doing what I don't want to do anymore in my life, it's not muscling up and trying to reform your old nature that's never going to not not want to seek God and is always going to want to do what you know in your head as a Christian that you don't want to do, but you do it anyway. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can keep me with a man in the measurement. Here are river terms in the New Testament. Born of the Spirit. What do I have up there? Filled with the Spirit, meaning you get under that fountain like at the park, you know, and uh, it's inside of you, but you can see it on the outside. It's inside of you, and you're like, you want under there? I remember a couple weeks ago going up there, and uh, they hadn't cleaned the pool out yet, and the water wasn't flowing, and it was just there, and I thought, man, that's me sometimes. Leaves and stuff are floating around in the water. Bunch of scum. You don't want to get, you know. Now, pure as can be, clear as crystal. There's going to be kids up there diving in. I mean, it's so. There's going to be kids running around, you know, with half their back part of their bathing suit showing the parts, and they're just running around. And grandma's going to be like, "Pull that up!" They're not worried about that. They're in the water. They're going to be diving off, belly flopping everything. They're going to be, oh, honey, don't do that. You're too close to the pipe. I don't care about the pipe. I'm in the water. Childlike. Those little kids aren't thinking about the gas prices. They're not thinking about the inflation. They're not up there mouthing off about what they don't like about who's running what. You know what they're doing? What we're supposed to be doing? Filled with the Spirit. Worshiping by the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, serving by the Spirit, following the voice of the Spirit. God knows our measurements. God wants to take the measuring in us, take the hand of the man, and walk with the man. Be born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, staying under the spout, never come out. Growth tech track is great, and we have a great one. And the great one that leads it, Dustin Wharton, the drummer. But growth track without the spirit is just more information. He wants us to worship beyond our words, and he wants our worship to continue when the song ends. And dimensions of prayer that we're in and can go to, and even if it doesn't seem like anything's changing on the outside, When the river is flowing in, things are changing on the inside. And sometimes to our surprise, we serve by the Spirit, meaning that we begin something and someone might ask you to join something or commit to something or whatever, and that's great. And being that you're great people and good people and you love the church, you probably sign up. In the beginning of all the good things we do, there's always a vibe and there's always a lot of people going. You know what, though? The Holy Spirit can keep you committed to something you know you're supposed to do when people are leaving more than they're coming. And you fixed the brownies and you went extra level and paid extra more for your home group night. And a couple hours before, you start getting these texts. Oops. Out of the blue. Can't make it. Can't make it. Can't make it. And there's part of you, like every other normal person, you're like, I don't want to do that. You know? 
And there's good times to take off and good times to have a Sabbath and good times to rest. But when something's in you that you're called to serve, it's going to take more than your memory of the moment you were called to serve and a roll up and try to keep at it. The Holy Spirit promises to keep giving you what you need to serve faithfully. I would have quit, I was going to say I would have quit a long time. I've quit so many times. I've quit so many times I've told God, God, I quit. And he said, well, I haven't, and I'm inside of you, so get up, let's go. And you know what? In my life, there's a lot of things I'm doing right now that I was doing exactly the same way when more people were leaving than coming. People say, wow, you're really faithful. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I ride around on Mondays sometime years ago. Now I'm really spiritual, so I don't. But years ago, I'd ride around on Monday going, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. <gasps> I thought you were caught. I am, but nobody thinks it. But someone would come along. I'm going to, is Christine here? Christine Orndorff? I saw her a while ago. I'm going to brag about people today. One of those days, I was sitting in a parking lot, didn't want to go to work because I was discouraged. 1473, I think it's when it was. I was really discouraged. And so I was sitting in a parking lot outside of Gabe's because I had a little bit of extra money and I wanted to get me something to wear. That I'd... So I'm sitting outside of Gabe's and I didn't want to go in and I'm feeling really discouraged. I want to do anything, any reason to not go to the office and sit in the office and go, and I'm a loser. And so I'm sitting, I'm sitting in there and uh, I thought I'd just like hit a, hit a ground ball to short in my sermon the day before it. I thought it was a ground ball to short. And Christine gets out of her car, and she walks up to me, and she goes, man, Tim, she saw me. Do you ever, like, not want someone to see you because you're just not in the, you're just not it, you just haven't, you didn't drink the Jesus juice, and you're just kind of like, I'm listening to the Rolling Stones right now. You don't want any part of me. Seriously. I'm listening to Mick Jack. What's the matter, man? You want to come? And I'm listening to that. I'm like, I'm really, I'm like really not not walking in the river with a man. And here she comes. She gets out. She walks up to me and she says, you know, Andrew and I were just talking, man, yesterday that message just touched us so deeply and we're so hungry for the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. Thank you for being faithful. And I'm like going, (laughs) what the heck? God does that for us. Have you ever just been stupid encouraged by God before when you didn't deserve a lick of it? Yeah. That's not even my message, but that was for somebody today. Don't quit. He's taken this knucklehead for years now and surprised the socks off of him over and over again. Listening to the voice. If Jawad calls me on the phone, he doesn't have to say, Pastor Tim, this is Oliver Jawad. You know, the guy that goes to you know, your youth. I know his voice. And if someone was trying to imitate his voice, I'd be like, you're lying. You're not Oliver Jawad. Well, the voice of the Holy Spirit can be known when you walk with a man. And there's ankle deep discernment of the voice and there's knee deep and there's waist deep and then there's Philip go join yourself to that chariot he didn't tell him anything else 
You know what Philip did? Because he's used to the voice. He's not in ankle deep. He's swimming. Philip, go join the... And I love this. You've got to read the Bible slowly. The Bible... Philip... It doesn't say Philip went to the chariot. It said he ran to it. Because when you're walking with the man and he tells you to go, you know on the other side there's a divine surprise. In one of these weeks upcoming, I'm going to tell you about some just crazy moments that God has led me in, not because, again, you, you know that guy, the, guy, the Gabe guy in the car? And just some amazing things. So at what stage am I? Based not on my measurement, but God's when it comes to ankle, knee, waist, beyond. When it comes to the bodybuilding of our church. For instance, where, where you and I come and we don't just take up a seat, but we come and the way our life is, we add spiritual health to this family. We add spiritual strength to the LOH church. Hmm? Ankle, knee, waist, beyond. Now, don't let anybody else measure you on that. But let the man measure you on that. Yeah, because people need the measurement of the man. The spirit dwelling in. Where, are, where am I in that? Um, the family blessing. I love that song, don't you? Carrie Job's song with Cody, what's his name, that wrote it. I love that song. I like to listen to it over and over and over and over and over. But you know what? That song won't make me a blessing. But the man in the water will make me a blessing. How about the bridal preparation of my life? Meaning my devotion to Jesus is with an anticipatory. He's going to show up in the house and he's coming someday. And I can live in the balance of being anticipating that and also planning like it could be a thousand years from now. So I'm going to stay at what I do. But I'm always thinking my master is coming back for me. And then the army protect, protection. When you think about each person here, who has whose back? Who has whose back? Who notices if you're not here for three, four weeks? and calls you and maybe even snoops in a little bit and says, what's going on? And you're like, nothing, man. I just had to, you know, had a couple things I have to do. Or you might find out to your surprise, man, I prayed for someone to call me. You never know. But he does. And when you walk with the man, he knows. So it's all about minding the river. It's not walking along the mighty Mississippi where Huck Finn went down on his uh, raft. It is walking with the man, minding the river. Uh, one of my favorite books is written by Norman MacLean. The movie, which Brad Pitt starred in, River Runs Through It, the book's better than the movie. And there's a portion, I, wanna, oh, I love this. The man is such a wordsmith. That's his gift. He says, on the river, the heat mirages danced with each other. And then they danced through each other. And then they joined hands and danced around each other. And I love this. Eventually, the watcher joined the river. And there was only one of us. I believe it was the river. When you mind the river like that, the man, you become one with the river. Or, if your mind isn't on the river, even walking by it, you overthink. This is how I do. In my natural bent, I'm an overthinker, overcrowded with other stuff. Normal. 
But that's my bent, overemphasizing lesser things. That's my mind. I don't know what your mind is like. Overthinking, overcrowding, overemphasizing. So I'm not seeing the river dancing. Then? I need to remind myself, does the man have my hand? Like the old song, have I really put my hand in the hand of the man? The river, the heat mirages dance. It, you have to really be looking through different eyes to have this kind of creativity and this poetic idea. Dance through each other, join hands around each other. Eventually the watcher joined the river and there was only one of us. That's swimming level. Now, what I said about in this series, we're going to talk about urban legends and things that we say so often that become true and they're really not. And a lot of times we talk about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have imagery. Some of us have never heard of that before much. And others have had experiences where it was like a circus tent thing and some crazy was more there more than, you know, just... And, and a lot of times we think about the Holy Spirit and, and in weeks come, I'm going to talk about some moments where God led me through things that are just not normal and ordinary. They were extraordinary and they're not I don't want to share them in a way that makes people think well wow wow that's awesome when I don't have that so God's not using me because they're rare but they're memorable but the 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 real walk with the man in the river is more ordinary with the extra that makes it extraordinary more natural than a lot of Holy Ghost people floaty arounds want to make it seem that if we're not in that we're not in the deal it's more natural, it's natural, more natural, but it's super natural. Meaning, you're raising kids like the other mom is, doing your best, but there's an extra to your ordinary. There's a super on your natural. It might not look it, you might not feel it. When you're in a conversation with somebody and it's not necessarily good, it's not necessarily, you're going, wow, do I feel the goosebumps of the Holy Spirit right now? There's a lot of times, and Dustin and I have talked about this many times, many times, I'll leave this place, get in my car, drive up the road and say, I didn't even listen to that. And then some of the times I'm thinking that was a walk-off jack to the upper deck and the world, the whole world's going to change because I lived. And nobody goes, eh, whatever, you know. You look at the views, four. And you know that's your, mo your mom, your sister, and you looked twice. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Right, Dust? But... So many times, people I know, I know some of you, and know some of you deeper than I know others, and then some I've not had the privilege to really get to know you yet, or really get to meet you. But I'm getting responses back, and I can't, I'd be lying if I said they weren't encouraging. Right, Dustin? Right, Ollie? Where you know that it's the man. Now, we create this imagery that it's all platform and it's all up here and it's somebody there. No, 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 no. It's the shortstop for Allegheny. It's the, it's the college dorm uh, leader. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the dental hygienist. 
I'm on this roll, the dentist I go to. The last couple of times I've been there, it's always an LOH, a dental hygienist. I'm like, man, if two or more agree. <laughs> and gather together. Jesus is there. Right in the, right in the, I didn't see him. But there's an ordinary, we are all walking in this ordinary world, and God wants to do extra in our ordinary and super in our natural. And with all that said, there are those moments where it's like, wow, God is real, dude. Hmm? But you know where you find those? With an uncluttered, not overthinking ear. Then here's, go join yourself to the chariot. Call so-and-so on the phone. You get an honorarium for speaking the thing or whatever, and it's this amount of money, and before you think of you're going to use it for your new seven iron, God says, give that to. And you know what? He would be well pleased if we didn't take three weeks thinking about it because we really wanted that seven iron to run in after what God just said. Anybody tracking with me on this one today? I'm going to go ahead and believe this one's a home run, sort of. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a ground ball to short. So, I want to, I want to, I want to add these last couple of verses, and we're going to pray. Jesus makes this comment, and he says this. It's very, I love this passage. I remember the clarity of it hitting me in an upstairs uh, classroom on Longfellow Boulevard in Central Florida, going to college at Southeastern U. And we were studying this passage. It hit me. I'll tell you what, why it still hits me today. Jesus said, if anyone is willing to do his will, God's will, He's not meaning just reading the manual and trying to robotically make it happen. But if you're under the word and you're in the voice and you're walking with a man, let's say it that way, and you're willing to do whatever the, the man is leading you to do from the scriptures, never outside of the temple, never away from the river of God, there's always rails, right? But you're there and you're organic with it and you're walking with it. If anyone's willing to do his will, he will know, she will know of this teaching, whether it is God or whether it's something the pastor made up or whether it's the Nazarene creed or whether, whatever, you'll know. Epikonosis is the Greek word. It means an experiential know. I remember, I've told you before, I'm standing in a, in a supermarket line and there's two ladies in front of me and it's back in the day when Meg Ryan was really a famous actress and there's a thing about Meg Ryan on there and they're talking and it, like the way they were talking about Meg Ryan, they're calling her Meg. And I was so tempted because I'm a wise guy. I wanted to say, excuse me, do you know her? <laughs> of course they didn't know her, right? We can do that with the Bible. We can do that with Jesus. We know the scripture. He said, you really want the scriptures to turn you inside out? Do them, not just out of doing, but let the man. And when you do that, you're going to walk away from whatever that was and you're going to go, Wow, I know. You'll know. Whether it's something made up by man, whether it's some emotionalistic thing, or whether it's God sent, 
regarding the river of the Holy Spirit. I've had moments, and I'll tell you about them. It's so important to listen and get really good at it. So how do we get there? Jesus tells us in John 7. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood. He's so passionate about this, he stands up and he cries out. One translation adds, with a loud voice. And he says, here's, what, here's all it takes. If anyone is thirsty, that's all it takes. You're in church, but you're still thirsty. You know the stuff in the book, but you're still thirsty. What are you thirsty for? The reality, this epigenosis of walking with Jesus and him walking with you and God doing something in your life, doing something through your life, bringing the extraordinary into your dimensions and beyond your dimensions because I really believe that most of us are to go beyond the dimensions that we've defined for ourselves. If so, anyone is thirsty, let him come to me Right? The temple. The one at the temple. Come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, watch, watch this, from inside, flows out. Same thing Ezekiel saw. He's pointing to that passage. It's 500 years recorded by the time Jesus speaks about it. And you know what? He's still speaking about it. But people say, Jesus is coming back next Thursday, and this means that. Maybe. But you know what I'm doing? I want to do? I want to live as if there's another hundred years or another two, and I want to put into motion by the man, walking with the man, things that after you're gone and I'm gone, and these guys or me, age-wise, that there's another five-year-old, ten-year-old. So when I see these kids, man, when I see these young toddlers, I'm thinking, what kind of prophet is this person? What kind of dreamer is this person? What is going God, protect their brains, protect their thoughts, protect their souls. And God, anoint us to create an environment where the river is flowing into this Edenic, Edenic garden-like, back to the tree of life, innocence before the Lord, where these kids are having the freedom to know they can name their stuff and claim their stuff and go out and build their stuff and plant their stuff and dream their stuff. Come on. That's what I'm believing for. You want to go there? Exchange one of these for his. And let the man... One of my dear friends, Paul McCartney, once wrote, you have, to, you have to listen to what the man said. You don't know what that song is? Man, you're missing out. You have to listen to what the man said. Would you stand? Thanks for listening to me. Um, what time do you have? Man, I want to take you back when I was an 18-year-old kid, and the Lord started working in my life, and I had some wonderful people God put around me, and 
basic, basically their essential statement wrapped up in a, a couple of phrases was this. Timmy, get it all, buddy. Get it all. Walked through a sanctuary of a church, thousand people in it, and some of those people knew, knew me. And anything I did, anything I got to do, they'd be like, boy, God has his hand on your life. And that would always mean so much to me, but you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm here, and I'm wanting, I'm wanting you to know it's not about God having his hand on my life. It's you knowing God has his hand on your life. And the river goes out of the house. In, out. So I've, a lot of times, when I feel like I'm going four for five and not O for May, it's because God in His grace is helping me to get out from the overcrowded, overthinking, dirt in the well, land of nod, spinning around, and just going back to the same guy, kid I was when I didn't know a thing. I couldn't exegete passages. I couldn't read Greek. And it was just, who are you? I've grown up in your church my whole life long, and I don't know you. It's my bad. What my aunt said, I had a, I had a, a guy that God put in my life. I, at that time, I was in my late 20s, and he was in his 60s. And I was working in a church in Alabama. They got a name for the winners in the world, Crimson Tide. That's right. And uh, he'd asked me to come over. I didn't know anybody. I lived down there, didn't, didn't have any friends yet. And so he'd invite me over on Saturday morning. Wallace Perry was his name. He talked with such a southern vernacular, I couldn't even understand him sometimes. And I'd sit, he called me Joe College. And it was, it was an endearing term from him. He'd sit there and open up a big box of Nabisco graham crackers and a big old thing of honey. He'd take out a graham cracker and spread honey on that and give it to me. I couldn't do it. He wouldn't let me put my own honey. I'll put the honey on. Joe College, God's all over you. God's going to use you. God has this. I was praying for you the other night, Joe College, and the Lord said this. Does that make sense to you? And I'd be like, were you videoing me? I'm so thankful for people like that, that God's put in my life. Hey, you know what? He wasn't a preacher. He was just a 50-something, 60-something-year-old guy that just... Him and his wife felt led to be planted in that church and be a blessing to a young generation and some kid that didn't have a clue what he was doing except he was filled with fire and a water and I was a little Dixie cup with the river of God trying to fit it all in and I couldn't. And I preached longer then than I do now and just all over the map. I'd start talking about this and I'd end up, Jesus is coming, the rapture, and then I'd be back to this and God knows I'd throw everything in every time and people would be like, and he'd be like, Amen! Amen. Thank God for hang in here for a while, brother. Um, here's a point. I forgot it, but now I remembered it. Whatever age you are, put your hand in the hand of the man 
Pray that I will keep doing it. And just say, take me there. Confirm to me that I'm only to be in ankle deep for now, but please don't let me ever block you from taking me to knee, waist, swimming. Best thing to do to swimming pool is swim, not sit on the side and sweat on your towel. Jump in, dive in, go for it, go for it. Lord, I just pray for every person today, regardless of where we've been, what we're going through, whether it seems so bland and so ordinary. Lord, I pray today you'd send the extra. I pray for those that it's just so natural, you wonder if God's even working in your life. I pray the super would come into your natural today and that you would just, whatever God is telling you to do, just say yes to it. Just say yes to him. Throw your measuring stick away and say, Lord, I don't want to be measured by others. I just want you to just do your work in me and through me and I say especially to these young people learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life everything matters every point everything you ever do comes down to this listen to him and he'll blow your mind I promise you that and I pray it in Jesus' name. Altars are always open. You don't have to come. But listen to the man. Let the man listen to what the man said. And God bless you in your walk in the river. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin. And thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.